Welcome to the Shockwave Therapy Podcast. My name is James Woolwich, Osteopath and Clinical Director at the Abbeyfields Clinic in Suffolk. We will be trying to demystify the concept of shockwave treatment whilst bringing together experts in their field to discuss the latest research. If you are deciding on whether to add this modality into your clinic or just improve the way you deliver it, then we hope this is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us again on the Shockwave Therapy Podcast. Um, we have two guests today who've got a history of working together. One of those all the way from Perth in Australia is Jo Milios. She will be familiar to uh, any physiotherapist out there uh, dealing with men's health. She's probably the most experienced uh, person out there from uh, for everything from ED to post-operative urinary incontinence, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, and Peronis. And that's what, that's what the topic of today is to discuss that and her experience of using Shockwave over the last couple of years. Gerard Green is joining us um, and he's probably the most experienced and gifted lecturer in this arena in the UK. So we're lucky to have him over here. Uh, the pair of them are just gonna be sharing their, their experience with Shockwave today and, and also uh, shamelessly plugging a really exciting weekend uh, lecture that they'll be giving together in, um, in July. The details will be following on um, from the end of this podcast. So uh, welcome to both of you. I really look forward to this. So uh, thanks for joining me this morning, Gerard and Joe. Um, and you, you are already well known. So we're going to do a very short introduction for you both. We'll start off with Joe. Can you just give everyone listening uh, a bit of background about how you got to this point in men's health, please? Thanks, James. Well, my physiotherapy career started in 1994 when I graduated. And then I spent the next 15 years or so basically working in the musculoskeletal uh, field and I've always been interested in yoga. So I've taught yoga for many years. Uh, and then in 2005, my brother, who's a urologist, um, rang me up one day and said, could I assist him with his radical prostatectomy patients who were uh, experiencing for the first time laparoscopic removals of the prostate. So he was in Western Australia, part of the early cases doing things um, in the minimally invasive surgical way. And he wanted patients to have preoperative pelvic floor training. So we basically teamed up. I followed him around for a year watching him do surgery. And then as time went by, uh, he sent me lots and lots of cases that he felt didn't need a surgical fix and that a lot of the musculoskeletal physiotherapy um, practices, especially in the pain side of it, was something that uh, I found I could do quite a lot more with and he was struggling. He often found that there wasn't actually a surgical need for patients or medicinal needs. So it really just over the years of seeing lots of different patients with complex things that actually physiotherapy had an fairly easy pathway towards helping. Um, I felt a bit bound to push it a bit further and then ended up doing a PhD, which I finished in 2019. And the focus of that was on both Peyronie's disease that I'd noticed in the clinic was becoming an issue. And also the um, protocols for pelvic floor muscle training and dysfunction in guys who had uh, prostate cancer, especially for surgical patients. And mostly these days I'm working in the clinic, but I'm dabbling a little bit in research as I can. Okay, fantastic. Gerard, um, you know, you're known a little bit more over here, so can you just make yours much shorter? Hi there. First of all, a big thanks to James for the invitation for uh, doing the podcast and a big thanks to Joe for joining us in Australia. Uh, I'm based in Birmingham, 
and in London. And I've got two pelvic health clinics and my clinic in Birmingham sees lots of men, mainly with male pelvic pain, see a lot of younger, hard, flaccid patients. Uh, and then the clinic in London is purely male pelvic health. And there we see the same again, a huge volume of male pelvic pain. And I was quite fortunate uh, several years ago to meet a wonderful woman, Dr. Ruth Jones, who Joe knows also. And I worked with Ruth in her clinic in Southampton and she trained me up. And then I met Joe and Joe and I have been uh, fortunate to have worked in, taught together in Japan, in Cape Town and in uh, the States for the APTA. So I feel quite blessed to have met Joe. You, you, you are, you know, that's not just saying it because Joe's here. He, he always says that. He always speaks very highly of you. Um, oh, you, you I know. Missed, it's always you missed, embarrassing. You missed, two, you missed two bits because your, your websites are fantastic and you've got great resources on both. You do lots of CPD, Gerard. Yours is greenseminars.physio. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, greenseminars.physio. And to be honest, since I've opened the London Clinic, I've kind of taken a bit of a step back from that right. to focus on the clinics. Uh, but yeah, we do run some events and... Um, obviously, we're really pleased to have Joe back because before COVID, Joe travelled to the UK. She taught for us in uh, Birmingham and she taught for us in Dublin. So that was, I think that was 2018, Joe. And um, obviously, because of COVID, Joe couldn't travel from Australia. So she taught a brilliant online course for us last year. And this year on the uh, Saturday, Sunday, 2nd, 3rd of July, she's doing a, kind of a more advanced course this time. So rather than an introductory course, she's doing an advanced course, and that will be from UK time, 8 in the morning till 12 in the afternoon. Yeah, Saturday. it's an online course again. It's an online, yeah. Um, it's going to be recorded, and it's the Saturday and Sunday. The oh, we've, bro we've broken up a bit. got a bit there. of a delay there. Yeah, so it's yeah. Saturday, Sunday, the 2nd, 3rd, and it's brilliant of Joe back, and this one is online, live so online. Just as, you, just, just, as you, she'll be back. just as you said that, I mean, that's on Eventbrite, isn't it? Um, I've, I've seen that. Um, and I'll put a link on that after, afterwards so we're a part of the podcast. And while Joe is struggling with Wi-Fi, you just mentioned that there is an introduction, there is an introductory course. So for someone like me who, you know, we've been doing it about a year or so, I still wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means. So at what, uh, where is this being pitched in terms of it as an advanced versus introductory course? I think this course that Joe's delivering is probably based at two groups of clinicians. So it's 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 aimed at clinicians uh, who already one group who already work in male pelvic health, but maybe who want to get more uh, knowledge around the more complex patients, such as those with Pironi's disease, hard flaccid, the post prostatectomy patients that just aren't really recovering as they should do. So those more complex challenging post prostatectomy patients and also the uh, pelvic pain patients who maybe just aren't getting better that's one group it's aimed at the other group is aimed at is people like yourself james who uh, do quite a lot of focused shockwave for uh, in male pelvic health particularly around um, erectile dysfunction because joe will talk about her work in focus shockwave also so it's kind of aimed at both it's aimed at, at people who already worked seeing those kind of pelvic health patients yep. but also the people who like the all the, the colleagues from ven who already do focus shockwave but just want to learn more about that or thinking well 
we've got a focus shop with unit or we're about to buy one but you know what role does it have in in um, these pelvic health patients okay i mean on on you know nice segue to now joe's got joe's come back but you, you started off as far as i understood joe is that right you started off using just normal therapeutic ultrasound to try and affect was it either peronies or erectile dysfunction yeah so it was actually pure coincidence i had a patient a radical prostatectomy patient that uh, he developed peronis disease about one year after his surgery and i was finishing off phd in pelvic floor papers and i just said look this is peronis disease he thought his cancer had returned because he had this severe sort of curvature with a large painful lump in the midsection of his penis and uh he thought his cancer had returned so he was really distressed and i reassured him that it was something called peronis disease and that i would look into it again having my brother as um you know an advocate all the time and I just sort of said, what can you do for this? And he said, look, we don't really like to treat it with surgery until it's stabilised. There's usually two stages to peronis disease. It's acute and painful for a good 12 to 18 months. After that, it tends to stabilise into a chronic phase and then we can do surgical repair. He said there's many other treatments, um, but most of them don't work. They're not that much better than placebo. So he said surgery is something I can provide, but I won't provide it until I'm absolutely sure the condition is, you know, no longer in, in the acute phase. So then I potentially thought, well, maybe there is a role for physiotherapy. Looking into uh, research, I found there'd been some case studies that have stretched back to the 1980s um, of using therapeutic ultrasound for peronies. And I just said to this guy, look, I don't know if it's going to help. Um, we went and did a penile duplex Doppler ultrasound to measure the plaque and measure the angle to try and work out where he was at and then I progressed with this uh, ultrasound fiddled around with parameters and intensities and um, after a period of weeks he noticed a significant change a reduction in his curve and after we'd done 10 sessions we went and had a repeat Doppler scan and found there was complete resolution of that plaque so the radiologist and sonographer that was doing the uh, assessment basically said they hadn't seen it ever reverse and I remember the words they said you're on to something Joe we're going to work with you and let's get a bit of a pilot so I did all of that got about 10 guys and we had pretty much 70% of guys responding well with 100% of them resolving pain within just a few sessions and wow. then the reduction in curvature so that was all a bit kind of random and then I presented um, some early findings um, at some of the WCPT pr uh, presentations or world physio conferences. And there was quite a lot of interest from the urologist I was working with here. And before I knew it, I had a random control trial set up and the results were really positive. So that's something that I'm, you know, very happy to share because we had 70% of men improving clinically and all 100% resolving of their pain. There was... Uh, about 40% reduction curve with just this simple application that any physiotherapist in the whole world can provide. Was that, was but that then I did just, a presentation. Was, sorry, was that, was that just alone the or did they combine it with pumps or stretching exercises? Was it, no, as it that was was just alone. alone? Yeah. So when you do, as I learned, when you do a random control trial, you can only have one parameter yeah. that you're um, measuring to get, you know, 
um, a true indicator of any scientific change. And the fact that there was biological change that could be recorded with the ultrasound reducting the plaque or totally um, dissolving them, we had, you know, a significant scientific effect. So then as I progressed with treatment, we did add the other parameters in and then we got faster recovery. So we could encourage guys to have some use of the vacuum pumps. Um, there's one called the Soma Correct um, yeah. from iMedi in, in, uh, in, in the UK, which I learned about. We also now encourage patients to have Tadalafil or Cialis as a daily treatment at five milligrams to try and help promote local blood flow. But there was 30% of patients that didn't actually respond. And they were the ones that had this calcified change and the plaques weren't going to be broken down by the ultrasound. So then I was invited to trial the store's um, shockwave, low intensity focus shockwave, which was like the second generation uh, versus the radial shockwave, which yeah. hadn't had very promising outcomes. So for Peyronie's disease, I was actually quite hesitant. Um, I thought, well, I'm helping 70% of the guys anyway. This shockwave was presented to me as being a fairly expensive modality to purchase myself, but then also was presented in a way that I could actually make a lot of money out of it as well. And I just felt like this is a fairly vulnerable population yeah. and there wasn't really the evidence behind it. So I'll say that I had the good fortune of trialling it. Um, initially, I was only going to have it for six weeks, but then because of COVID, I had it on trial for eight months and I was pretty much trying it on anybody that was coming through my rooms because it has the musculoskeletal capacity as well. Yeah. And similarly, I was getting results in 70% of the patients that had been unresponsive to the um, therapeutic ultrasound because they had the calcified presentations. Right. So these are the patients who, if they have surgery, potentially have to get these calcified plaques removed, which ends up causing them erectile dysfunction. And most patients who have Peyronie's disease don't have erectile dysfunction, but they can have a physical deformity that prevents them from having, you know, um, comfortable sexual activity or sexual activity at all because they have a, a, a penis that is so contorted and um, acute angle beyond what's physically possible for penetration. Yeah. So... It gave me another treatment option for these patients. And once again, the, the trials are emerging, but the volumes of patients that you can see in clinic, you, I find that I learn probably more from them anyway um, versus you, trying to you, do it. You, just to recap, you, you, for the 30% non-responders, 70% of that group, you then went on to get good results with. And by results, yeah. you mean you mean curvature or curvature and curvature pain? reduction, right? Pain reduction. Um, so do you, do you now do you now treat? You know, you go back go back to your your brother's opinion about treating them when they're stable. Do you now yeah. treat peronies when uh, in the acute stage as well to try and resolve pain? Yeah. So my favorite patient to get, and it's all the education, is someone who's only noticed um, a penile curvature change for you know less than three months. And what I normally do is they're in the acute phase. So I provide them with three ultrasound, therapeutic ultrasound sessions just to reduce that local inflammation because shockwave can be quite painful mm. in the acute stage. So I don't like to trial it on them. 
and then stabilize it. I can normally do three of those ultrasound sessions within one week. And then I'll find I can do three shockwave sessions on the parameters recommended of about 3,000 shocks. And usually that, that settles down in an early acute phase. Depends on when the patients actually arrive at my door, though. So they could be 10 years down the track still not have calcified plaque, but they have a more dense plaque. Um, and I'll move straight to shock wave. It depends a lot on their um, presentation. Joe, uh, what, what, what other, you mentioned that you trialed on loads of patients during COVID. Yeah. And what other patients are you finding the focus shock with useful with? Okay, so I tried it on patients with chronic pelvic pain syndrome. So uh, one, my very first patient I tried it with, had, I'd been doing a lot of internal therapy with him and I looked after him for about five years and he said, I'll happily be a binicid, but he needs to come and see me once a week for this internal therapies as well as a whole lot of spinal work and daily um, yoga-based um, stretching program. He had one one um, treatment of the shockwave and didn't didn't need pain sorry didn't need another treatment for six weeks so he had a complete resolution of his pain for six weeks and I was really shocked by that so I was applying it to the um, perineum as well as um, the external or focusing on the external pelvic floor areas that had been like his active trigger points mostly um, so I've never done internal therapy with Gim and I see him Run once every three or four months now just for a one-off um, case. So he was my first chronic pelvic pain patient. And then I've had patients with hard flaccid syndrome that have responded really well. They do well when I combine the down training of the pelvic floor um, approaches and a whole load of um, breathing techniques and yoga-based principles. Sometimes a little bit of musculoskeletal spinal work. A lot of that's based on Peter Dornan's um, approach to pedendal neuralgia and I've used it with uh, patients with dysfunctional orgasm syndromes um, sometimes after radical prostatectomy for example men don't um, have any orgasm function we don't expect them to have an ejaculate but they can have a diminished or orgasm and that can be quite dissatisfying or they might have some climacteria where there's a leakage of urine at the same time as Climax, and I found we can apply the shockwave to those patients as well. Um, would, that still, sorry, Joe, would, that, would that still be into yeah. the pelvic floor region? Yeah, uh, I've actually now, I, I fiddle around all the time. I've actually been applying it to um, the penile dorsi nerves so along the penile dorsal shaft. So standard treatment is 3,000 shocks. And so I basically break it up into six different areas. So I use pel pelvic floor bilaterally for about 500 shocks, so 1,000 into the perineum. And then I found doing the penile shaft, um, 500 on the left, 500 on the right, with the long dorsal nerve decentrally. And then I like to use a spot that I call the pudenda, which is at the cura at the base of the penis. And usually we can get a little bit more um, pudendal nerve activation by going to that area. And in the very first patient that I ever used it for, for post-prostatectomy erectile dysfunction, um, within 250 shocks to that pudenda area, there was an immediate 
erection and that shocked both him and I because he hadn't had an erection for three and a half years. <laughs> so um, then what happened was he noticed that he was getting spontaneous erections all week and he came back the following week and he said, I can't believe what's happened, but it's like you've just rebooted everything. Um, and so this time I said, do you mind if I video this to see if this happens <laughs> again? I won't put your upper body in your facial features into it. And, yeah, sure enough, we got that on film. Uh, so that then made me curious as to whether or not we could add this into patients earlier after prostatectomies. But then I was concerned about the oncological outcome. So I waited till anyone was three months post-prostatectomy till they'd had their PSA clearance, but I wasn't able to reproduce those sort of results early on. So the neuropraxic effect, I think takes a good six to 12 months to reach its maximum to enable the, the shockwave, the focus shockwave to basically spark things up that little bit further. So this is a now a two and a half year process of just um, ongoing development within my clinic and I know there's some trials going on and I'm curious uh, to see what those trials reproduce. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jill, yeah, from, all, from your experience, because obviously you see mm. a high volume of post-prostatectomy patients, do yeah. you feel that from using the shockwave that you're getting earlier return of erectile function in those men? Or is it still too early? Yes, you, have to, you have to pick your patient. It's really helpful if they know that they've had um, nerve sparing and if they've had bilateral nerve sparing, that's obviously better than unilateral nerve sparing. Uh, you would want to have a patient that had good erectile function before they had the surgery. And you'd probably want to wait at least six months um, post-prostatectomy to ensure that they've had um, two PSA um, blood tests just to ensure that the uh, prostate cancer is well and truly not present in the in the area. So I feel that it's not something to rush into. And ironically, I will also mention that of those patients that I've seen who've actually reported improvement in erectile function, they've often coincidingly reported improved incontinence so if they had a little bit of stress urine incontinence that was still lingering that seems to resolve quite quickly as well an unexpected finding but i've repeated that half a dozen times now too and i wow. think here apologies james i think here in the uk there's in the last probably probably about two years or so there's more clinics are using focused shockwave Mm. And James has been, you know, very influential in training people how to do that. Uh, but is is this a growth area in Australian physiotherapy or many kind of pelvic health physios using focus shockwave for male pelvic floor dysfunction or is it very early days? It's a very early days. I've, I've actually encouraged um, a couple of other physiotherapists on the East Coast to purchase a machine if they see a high number of patients it's really worthwhile their investment but it is a forty thousand dollar machine so you know it's not something i've ever committed myself to purchasing anything like that in the past before i think my ultrasound machines have only ever been real time you know seven or eight thousand dollars so 
you know, is quite an investment. I had the opportunity to trial it for eight months. Otherwise, I wouldn't have probably looked into it. But, yeah, um, I've got a, um, about three physiotherapists on Eastern Board of Australia that I regularly communicate with and encourage them along, and a few urologists as well. Um, but it's, it's a big commitment and you do need to see a high number of male patients, I would think, to warrant that investment. I think on that on that note, you touched upon something that is uh, I, I always get slightly passionate about because I, I, we're of a, a certain age where ultrasound was, you know, the thing to do if you didn't have anything mm. else to do and you, you just slapped a bit of ultrasound um, on, excuse me a second, um, yeah. a, a bit of ultrasound on because, you know, what else are you going to do? And it, you know, it doesn't do any harm. And, and Shockwave has, particularly with focus with the investment, um, I'm always advocating for like patient selection and I think with this with this group, yeah. which you also touched upon earlier, you've got a really vulnerable set of patients that have been through some really traumatic times. And if you spent forty thousand quid uh, or thirty thousand, whatever it is, yeah. in whatever country, there's a sense that you know mm. the higher because there there is with the treatment over here for erectile dysfunction men's health stuff. There's a there's a there's a premium that we charge for that. And mm. at the moment, I think that, you know, what you could bring, if I had a wish list for you to add in on the in, on the July course would be to really hone yeah. in on patient selection. So that these are the patients you're seeing at this particular time, not just you spent this much money yeah. on the machine and whoever comes yeah. through the door that's got some issue, you know, you treat them six times and hope for the best because I still struggle with yeah. that patient yeah. selection with my, my physio that I work with. And it's like, are we going to take on that Peroni's patient? They're still in a bit of pain. Um, it's, it's a large curvature and it's going to be 1200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's different. That's different to treating someone a few times of physio for 50 quid a go. And it hasn't worked out. You go, oh, look, yeah. sorry, we gave it a go. You knew what you were in for, but you know, that patient yeah. selection stuff, I'd, I'd really look forward to that because I'd be scribing away mm-hmm. going, right. What sort of group are we going to be looking for getting 70% success in or not? You know, that would be great. Yeah, sure. I think that's what I've learned. And as I said earlier, I wouldn't have purchased the machine if I didn't have the opportunity to trial it for eight months without paying for it. Um, and I was just charging patients like a minimal amount, 95. I said, I don't know if this is going to work. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're willing to give it a go and I'm willing to give it a go. And that, that gave me the, uh, I guess, the trust to make that purchase. Yeah. But it, it, it was a rare opportunity. So just, just on touching on the second, third july what are the other what are the other topics you'll be talking about i think you, you're going to one of the ones i've been on one of gerald's courses i'm still sketchy i have to say on hard flaccid syndrome and how that might be influenced by focus shockwave and so on and so forth but what are the other topics you're going to be discussing on that weekend so um we're going to be having quite a lot of discussion around what i clinically see um because a lot of the um, problem is we can't have evidence for everything that we do. Uh, And so that's one of the frustrations of doing research as well. Like, as you said earlier, uh, do we offer multimodal treatment? Well, in clinical life we can, but in research life we can't. Mm. And I I actually found it really difficult to hold back treatment because it hadn't been, um, you know, evidence-based knowledge yet when I was doing my ultrasound. So I wanted to let guys use a vacuum pump. I wanted to let guys know about the Cialis medication and that I couldn't. So it's really quite an ethical thing when you can't share all the knowledge that you have to help promote um, the well-being of the patient totally. So this course is actually about what it's really like in the clinic in, in everyday scenarios. And, 
male pelvic pain is something that um, Jared was quite keen for me to, to address. Normally, when Jared and I teach together, he covers pelvic pain and I cover the prostate cancer stuff. But he's, um, you know, invited me to share what I see because sometimes, again, I'm lucky that I've got a really good rapport with a lot of the local urologists. So they'll send me cases my biggest referral group is from urologists, whereas a lot of um, other areas, it's sort of like internet guys trawling themselves and things like that. But uh, I get lots of crazy, crazy patients that I find quite easy to sort out and uh, urologists are still scratching, scratching their heads about what I'm kind of going on about. But they'd say, and I they'd think, say, James, what, I think what, what Joe and I were really keen for her to do, because we, you know, we put tons of planning into this, is that she, a bit like Joe said, that she would really kind of bring to the course what she does in the clinic, particularly with those patients who aren't responding as you should. They're all complex. All of these patients are complex, but it's really for the ones who maybe, you know, they're not getting better or, or there's a bit of a barrier to, to recovery. So it was, it was really to bring what Joe does in the clinic to all of us so that we can all learn. Because I think Joe is very unique in that she sees, you know, she she sees a, a high volume of a real spectrum of complex male pelvic health, which in, in itself is is quite unique. Yeah. Okay. So I so I I I'm I'm going to expect that you know obviously my knowledge on things like hard flaccid and so forth and CPPS and will improve. But also I think from my perspective, it is the um, the real world uh, in clinic stuff, because, you know, if you talk to me as an osteopath about low back pain over the last 20 odd years, I've seen everything pretty much. And and, and, and without yeah. even knowing it subconsciously, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with that patient, you know, but because we still, we probably, we've been at this maybe two years as well, two and a half years between my physio and I, and we've probably only still seen about 50 patients. And that, that yeah. for this complex thing is not many. So, I mean, things like this, where yeah. you, can, you can sort of um, collaborate between you two who have seen more than the rest of us put together. That's really exciting. It's going to be mm. great. Well, you know, since 2005, that's 17 years now, I've pretty much dedicated myself to men's health. And in that time, I've seen more than 4,000 radical prostatectomy patients. <sighs> and those numbers, you know, are just now 50%, the other 50% of patients that I see, because it was all, born from the prostate cancer, erectile dysfunction, Peyronie's disease, chronic pelvic pain. And, you know, I see 15 to 20 guys most days. So, you know, it's it's um, a, a large number of, of people and you just see these repeat trends. So I know it's get, in different countries like the US, it's really hard to get to see a, you can't, you have to wait months and months and months to be directed through their health system yeah. and the NHS similarly. But here in Australia, we have a much easier pathway to... Uh, and I think what's also quite so. inspiring about, about some of these uh, kind of courses is that a lot of people who work in men's health will work on their own. They will have no peer group. Mm. They won't work with mm. any other clinician. So it's quite powerful and inspiring to suddenly be in a, in a group where you've got 20 or 30 other people who see the same patients as those people because i think sometimes people feel that they don't have that local peer support so it's quite yeah. inspiring then to have people like joe uh, lots of other people who work in men's health just in that kind of room together like yeah and in, and and it inspires indeed, people actually, to do now, more now, reach now out to have more men 
now you're in London, Gerard, you know, I sent you that patient this week because, you know, I, I, you know, I could have been one of those, which is my point is I could have, could have been one of those that bought the machine and then thought, goodness me, I'm in a lot of debt here. And then this patient came to see me yeah. this week, Joe, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know short about GP. I won't go into too many details, but it was extremely complex. I mean, he had, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he had, um, most, a real spectrum most, of stuff going on. I mean, a real huge spectrum. And I'd not, you know, I had not heard of most of this stuff. And uh, what was I going to do? Well, yeah, the nice thing now is, of course, because the community, Gerard, you know, it's only an hour and a half up the road. Can you see this chap and make sure that he's a, hopefully a reasonable yeah. candidate for some treatment or for some shockwave? Because otherwise I'd have been blindly doing this without, you know, and creating false hope. That's the worst thing, isn't it? You know, that would be not good. Oh, it patients. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. look, I think, I yeah. think that's, um, I think that's, that's pretty much everything I think we were planning on covering. Was there anything else that you think we need to cover other than just, I'll put those links on the podcast at the end. So people know where to go on Eventbrite and to go to both of your websites for other courses you run, particularly your stuff with um, yoga and the pros stuff that you do, Joe, for exercises for post prostatectomy. Um, is there anything else you want to add in, Gerard? No, just a big thank you for, um, you know, having this conversation you know i know that my work in health men's health only came about through a conversation with my brother but yeah. all around the world i'm always um shocked at how many physios aren't working in men's health when it's 50 percent of the yeah. population yeah, you know yeah, is yeah. born with male anatomy so we, we've got lots and lots to fill in and learn i'm i'm no expert i've just had you know oh. the fortune of working with that's, that's the many. thing you said. <laughs> Let me just say one thing finally, and I think Joe will be interested in this. When Joe and I have taught together, we've worked really, really, really hard to encourage males to attend the courses. And that's mm. been quite, quite hard work, but it's been very rewarding. So we've kind of, whenever we've taught anywhere, we've made a big effort to get guys to come as well yeah. to the courses. However, Joe, when you go to any of the shockwave events, it's predominantly males. Oh, men, men ah, love yes, toys. Yes, yes. Men love toys. Shiny toys. But also, it's not predominantly physiotherapists. It's predominantly osteopaths like James. So it's it's it's. Ah. So there is there, there is a real need to uh, still reach out to those to that physiotherapy community. No, I'm mm. I've come. Well, that came to a rather abrupt end, uh, which was completely my fault. So I do apologise uh, to everyone out there. Um, we had come to the natural end of things anyway, so I, just, I was only going to say uh, a huge thank you uh, for the two guests today, particularly Joe joining us from Australia uh, and to Gerard. Um, all the information that we discussed today will be linked after the podcast, particularly their lecture they're giving in July, as I said earlier, um, and their website links. So you can, you can look at their websites, glean any information that you want to get from, from both of those um on the subject of men's health but uh, thank you again for you two for joining me it's been a great podcast thank you